0: to organize holistically. My name is Dana L'Oreal Morales and I am your Holistic Process Strategist. I help entrepreneurs and professionals to develop, implement, and streamline processes in both your business and your personal lives so that you can have better work-life balance and integration. Today, our episode is going to be so dynamic because I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Lucretia Dangerfield, who is a dear friend of mine, but she is also a client. So we're going to dig into a testimonial of sorts of her experience working with me in both the personal and the business tracks of THB. But we're also going to dig into her entrepreneurial journey. Listen, she has a lot of lessons to teach you guys today. And I'm so excited that we were able to have this conversation and that I'm able to share it with you today. I hope you enjoy it. So for our listeners,
1: because I know I know this information, but for our <laughs> listeners, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and your business?
2: Well, I am Dr. Lucretia Dangerfield. I have a doctorate in Counseling, education, and supervision, so by day, people probably would say that I am a licensed professional counselor, and then I turn into that introvert that, like, needs my downtime in the, in the evening. I'm a, a native of Nashville. I'm the oldest of three girls, and this is my third career going into, um, what you say, it's the mental health field. I uh, started out as a, in the business arena and then moved into um, a little bit of financial, retail marketing kind of work and then accepted the call that I was called to be a counselor, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you I didn't
2: feel like huh? <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, if you had asked me that when I was in, uh, before going into undergrad, Or even uh, my last semester in my undergrad program, I had to take a psychology class. And my prayer was to make a D in the class so that I could graduate.
1: Just to get through.
2: (laughs) Just to get through. That's all I wanted to do. And then fast forward uh, 15 years Mm -hmm. later, found myself. Looking for, like, asking that question, you know, we sometimes ask, like, what am I supposed to be doing when I grow up?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: found myself um, heeding to the call that I was called into, uh, called to be a counselor. And I was like, for real? But it was, <laughs> I realized now, it's so yeah, so much bigger than that because that was not, like, that whole psychology thing was not what I was looking at. <laughs>
1: Interesting. That is so interesting. So how did you go make the shift from the business world into entrepreneurship? Like, how was that journey of just, number one, facing that that's what you should be doing, but making the jump? Well, I always
2: knew that I wanted to own my own business. So I always knew I wanted to, uh, that I was an entrepreneur because when I was (laughs) – when I was younger, before I was even old enough to work, they used to do this. They used to do this thing where they would sell, where you could sell magazines, in from the back of this mm-hmm. uh, book. I would, I, I, did that. So I would sell magazines, and then I did this thing where I would sell shoes out of this catalog. And my, uh, my favorite, and probably where well, my favorite customer was my granddaddy. He would buy the shoes. He would order them. They came in. He would order. Them. So I always knew, uh, even if you looked in the back of my yearbook from uh, high school, it said that I was going to own an accounting and architect business. Now, I don't know where the two of those,
3: <laughs> I don't even know where, where they came,
2: came from? how they came together, because I knew, because I went to school in undergrad to be an accountant. Uh, but I don't know where the architect part came from, but I I later learned what it, uh, you know, what it really represents. But uh, I worked for other people. and But I always had that, you know, that urge, like, one day I'm going to own my own business. And so transitioning out of agency work, um, I made the jump. I kind of, like, kind of had in the back of my mind, like I tell, uh, tell some of my friends, I said, I had my resignation letter typed up a year before mm-hmm. I make the leap.
1: Wow. And I mean, like, that's, uh, uh-huh. that's interesting because it's like you're sitting on it. You know you want to do it, but then it's mm-hmm. something that's just like not letting you. It's take- almost like,
2: you know how you play double dutch and you have to jump in. Yeah, That's, yeah. How, that's what I played for the longest. It's like I was... I would like lean Lean for it. It's not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Then I lean back in. And then one day it was like, the the guy was like, today's the day you turn in your notice. I was like, okay. (laughs) And so, uh, moved into, um, moved into entrepreneurship by, uh, really stepping out there full, like full time entrepreneurship. And, um, May of 2013 because this is June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I celebrated my seventh year at the beginning of May.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> I remember seeing that post come across. I was like, man, that's that's huge. You know, because you think about it, marriage. They say the seven-year itch. You know, you you you've been doing it for seven years, and then you think you've done your business for seven. You've been married to your business for seven years. Yes, and I was gonna divorce it. You
2: know, like (laughs) a couple months before May, I (laughs) it was the end. I'll tell you, it was the end of February, and I was uh I have been part of this mastermind, and I remember sitting in the and we were in the mastermind meeting. And we were talking, and I told the people in the group, I said, you know what, today I decided I'm just going to scrap this whole business and figure out what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And everybody was like, you're being dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I guess I am being dramatic. But I was like. It
3: was one of those
1: days.
2: (laughs) It was one of those days because I was like what am I doing? How Like, how is all this working? It's not that my business, is, you know, hasn't been grown, but I was like, am I sure? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Right. Is this how it's supposed to look? And they were like, quit being dramatic.
1: Yeah, because we all go through those moments of just, I don't know if I want to call it self-doubt, but it's just like, do I really want to be doing this? Like, right? is this really what I'm supposed to be, do- <laughs> supposed you know. to be
2: doing? <laughs> right, question it. And it's like, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Quit playing. And uh, because even in that moment, that was on a, a Tuesday, and I had to go to this training uh, for that that Wednesday and Thursday. And when I was in the training, because uh, I'm a I'm a person of faith, and so I was looking around the room, and God was like, out of all this, all of these people in this room. I want you to count the number of people that the work that you've done has impacted them mm. in some kind of, some kind of way. And so I made a list and it was 14 people
1: wow. in
2: that space that I, that some kind of way I had had some impact through my business. Uh, when I, uh, as a adjunct professor and he was like, so you notice know what you're supposed to be doing, and I was like,
1: exactly. okay. You're like, yes, sir.
2: <laughs> right. We're back to the to the mastermind the next week, and I was like, yeah. I know what I'm. God supposed talked
1: to, to me, doing. and yeah. so I said, I was, I was.
2: I was it was like, oh, yes. Yeah, last week I was being dramatic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it when he gets mm-hmm. us. He gets us. He's like, listen. Yeah.
2: He was like girl look he was like, Girl, look at this. Look. Just look around this room. And when I was like and it was like the most humbling experience because I was like, Okay God, I'm a quick I'm a quick to ruin my fits, I would do it, you know, and I would stop stop fussing like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm
1: Mhm that that's that's funny (laughs) because it happens to us all you know you get in those moments of frustration those moments of just Mm -hmm. nothing's happening the way that that i think it should be happening but sometimes that's god's plan you know sometimes he's like i need you to just be still and just listen to what i'm telling you to do and And pay attention
2: (laughs) right
1: (laughs) yes so okay so for the listeners. Just being full full uh, transparency here, Lucretia and I have known each other for years, but we knew yeah. each other from a book club. We didn't know each other from <laughs> entrepreneurship, from business, or nothing. And I don't even remember what happened for us to connect from a business standpoint where it was like, oh, <laughs> we're both entrepreneurs. Yep. We're both doing...
2: Um, I think it was one day... we Maybe one day we went to lunch.
1: Possibly.
2: I think... We we met up for lunch, and we just start talking about it.
1: And we realized, and that, like, oh, we're both doing some of the same stuff.
2: Some of the same stuff, yeah.
1: That shifted kind of our relationship a little bit just from being mm-hmm. able to relate and have somebody else to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you reached out to me for help with um, your home, organizing your home. And mm-hmm. we, I, I want to make it clear that we only had one session, one in-person session in relation to that. Yes. Can, will you tell the listeners kind of what made you reach out to get assistance in your home organization?
2: One, because that's not my lane. <laughs> that is not my lane. Uh, and so, but watching, like watching your work, and watching and seeing how you have been able to go in and help other people transform certain spaces in their ho- homes. I was like, hmm, I think Dana can help me because, you know, with my life, I, you know, I've had different careers. I've done different things. So I've accumulated things. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I need somebody to help me put this thing in order, Uh, especially uh, like the den space of my house. And I was like, I need somebody to do. And I was like, Dana's the person. And I was like, she can come in and see my stuff. I don't, you know, I feel, I don't feel bad with her coming in mm-hmm. and seeing this, you know, a complete, and, you know, you probably think that's kind of weird because you'd rather have a, a complete stranger judge you if they were judging than someone you knew. But I was like, I trust her to come into my space and then seeing your work, I was like, yeah, it's a, that's a no brainer.
1: Right. It was a trust issue. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important. Um, Whenever I'm working with small business owners, one of the things that I try to relate to them is it's it's not so much your service in totality. It's the trust Mm -hmm. factor. If if someone doesn't trust what you are able to do and how you're going to do it, there's not a relationship there. And I'm not doing business with someone that I don't feel comfortable with. So that's... interesting to hear. Yes, And, um, you
2: know, in, in business, you know, they, we always talk about that no like, and trust factor. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, builds the relationship. So I knew you, I liked you, and I trusted you.
1: That's yeah. a prime yeah. example. <laughs> so we did two different things. We had our mm-hmm. discovery session, and then we had the in-person session. What mm-hmm. did you learn from the discovery session? What was something that happened during that session that you didn't expect? Or that shocked you, if you can remember, because that was a while ago.
2: It was a while ago. Probably how to like it was the aha moment of yeah, taking the things and putting them in their in their space.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's like everything has a space. Put it in its space, and then it, it's going to be okay.
1: Like giving it its home.
2: Home, yeah. Yeah. And then if it doesn't Are have a home, for... that means it need probably needs to be removed from your home. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Like if it doesn't have anything, the question is, should it be here? And if mm-hmm. it if it is going to be here, where does it belong? Right. Yes. I remember when we had our discovery session. I had and I can't remember the exact question that I asked you. Uh, oh, I think it was what is your vision for the space or what do you want it to look like? Mm-hmm. And you were kind of like I hadn't thought about that.
2: Right. <laughs> right.
1: And, and that was that was interesting to me because that was the first time I'd had, had just kind of that moment of that you know it's a question that I like to ask just so that I have an understanding of what we're reaching towards mm-hmm. but that was the first time I'd had the um, response that you, the honest response that you had is, I haven't thought about that. And, and you took a step back and kind of was, it was almost like it stopped you and you're like, I really need to think about that because that, mm-hmm. that's important, you know. And so I started bumping that up on my list of questions just to say, hey, yeah. I want you to think about this before we talk because this is going to have a, a major impact on how we proceed. So that was kind of my aha moment from our session Mm -hmm. of let me bump this up in my question list um, because I think about it, but the customer may not.
2: No, because that was probably the furthest thing from my mind. My mind was just like this stuff just needs to have a a house to go to. It's not like what that house would look like, the compartments. No, that that was was not on my mind. You were looking
1: at more of the immediate Resolution,
2: yeah. Where, yeah. I got you. Then how would it, the, at the and then what the end goal would look?
1: Yeah. So the overall in-person session. What mm-hmm. was your feeling during it and after it? Were you overwhelmed? Did you feel like oh I didn't think about that? Like give us give the listeners kind of insight into that.
2: No, uh, no, nah, I felt overwhelmed because I was like, "Oh my goodness, now what are we gonna do with this?"
1: And like I like I
2: said <laughs> a few minutes ago, it was like it's some things that I, you know, that I keep that have some that I think have some sentimental mental value, which it may not, and it could be something as simple as a picture from a trip or something like that. But the whole idea of finding a space for it, or having to get rid of especially like I'm a uh and like especially when it came down, I think we talked about my books and I was like <laughs> you want me to give up my book? Like some of my books and it's like, okay, some of these books, you know you're not gonna read again. Somebody else can better have better use. But it was like the whole thought of like, oh, I gotta give up
1: I remember that so, was an emotional uh, moment. Yeah. That was a a
2: re- like a written like for me, books are like these they're almost like, I guess the best way to say it's like a friend or or something like that. It's
3: like,
2: right. I I love books. I love the fill of books. I love, you know, just looking at books and bookcases. I love the library and like how that can look and how just like put things together because it's a home for a book. And I was like, man, she's talking about I might not, I might have to get rid of some somebody. Well, this, that's so much to think about right now. <laughs>
1: And I remember it, it was like, I said it, and then I saw the look on your face, and I was like, okay, listen, you don't necessarily, if you're not going to let go of the books, you got to let go of something else. Cause you, something it, else, and it's
2: like, yeah. which one you want to get rid of? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, none of it, but but I see the benefits.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And and it's like in the sessions, I remember we were laughing and you were like, well, wait a second. But we went through and we kind of did a processing of Mm -hmm. not looking at the room as a whole but breaking Mm -hmm. it down into segments to really just say, focus on just doing this. Don't try to do everything at one time. Yeah. So has that helped you going forward or are you like, yeah, whatever, Dana, I'm not trying to hear you?
2: (laughs) No, it has. (laughs) It has helped me. And especially when uh, I have to go through – periods of having to get rid of things like I put things in there in a space and then say okay I'll go through this right now and then you know organize that space and then I'll go to the next
1: mm-hmm. because yeah,
2: like it's, it's uh, a it, it, it so is ahead, it's, a, it, it's a it's a going like um uh, like I went when I went to my uh, doctorate I had to keep certain things for a certain period of time so when it came time to getting rid of uh, some of that information I was able to sit down
3: mm-hmm. look
2: through it keep the things that I needed to keep I wanted to keep to um, to have for memories in that aspect mm-hmm. but some of the other things I was like oh okay that's easy I can get rid of that I'm not you know sitting down doing right. it going through what you were talking what you showed me
1: yeah, because yeah. I mean, really, we just did like I was saying the, just the one session, and I just mm-hmm. gave you an action plan of this is how you process mm-hmm. the rest of yeah. it, and that was the end of our, um, the what I call the home or personal side, mm-hmm. the personal track side of your engagement. So that was that was cool. I mean, and I enjoyed yeah. it. It was it was fun to yeah. me, and I know you were like, <laughs> why is she like? She just came in here and started moving she, and stuff. Yeah,
2: moving. she. I'm like, she likes that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a line right over there. <laughs>
1: So fast forwarding through cause I don't and I don't even remember the block of time between when we did that yeah. and when you um I know last year I had the mastermind class and you signed mm-hmm. up for that. So what led you to want to engage in that? What was your your trigger on that?
2: For me like that came around at the time when I was I knew I was beginning to think about uh, my business and how I uh, wanted to move forward somewhat making the a pivot in my business. And so when you offered that mastermind, I was like, okay, I can learn some things even on how to get my systems in place because I do things because it comes partly because it comes natural and mm-hmm. I have systems, but I don't have them documented. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, I'm not there. No one could step in and do it. And then I think part of the thing you were talking about, you were like, uh, I can help like ease, make your, uh, onboarding and your front end processes easier. I was like, that sounds like something I need to learn how to do, especially since I'm making this pivot in my business.
1: Right. Right. So what was your experience like? Did you and I don't want to leave the question here. Tell me how the the course was for you and um, and what you learned from what the content you received.
2: Well, probably I think I remember the first uh, module, and it was like it was like the vision for your business, the or the why assignment. I was like, "Oh so she's going there now." I said she she she's already like going there. I like, I'm making a pivot in my business, so I really, where am I going? but like really started there to really think about like what what was like what did I want my business to look like, and how would I move forward in that and then going through each module and how it uh built on things because I think the other piece was um like the whole social media um spreadsheet. The um, the vendors' fresh it, it was like different things that you would ask like for me to document, and it's mm-hmm. like I had it in my head,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: putting it down on paper, and then even doing some of the mapping of like when a when a client first reach out, what do you have them do, and having to think about that, and then I still go back to that process as I think about my processes now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And like we haven't talked about this, so I had no no clue what you, what you were going to say. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's important for me to know as a business owner, you know, was it helpful? What could you, you know, mm-hmm. what could be improved? I know um, you and several other, other participants in the uh, master class, and it was so interesting to me because you all said it. It's not like you all were talking no, because I didn't have right. the course set up that way at the time. But um, you all kind of mentioned that this is like a major – course, and it could actually be split into, you know, mm-hmm, several mini courses. Yeah. And I had never, I mean, like I thought about it, but I'm like, you, if you do this, you really need these other pieces. Mm-hmm. But I never thought about the fact that, you know what, someone may just need this one piece right now, and that may be enough for them to focus on. Yeah. And so that helped me just hearing that feedback from you guys mm-hmm. um, in the course. Yeah. So how have you evolved since taking that course? Because, I mean, it's been almost a year now. Mm -hmm. um, Despite your wanting to divorce yourself (laughs) (laughs) earlier in the year, what was your, from from learning some of the things that you learned in the course and then after that, what were some of the pivots and the changes that you made in your business?
2: Well, for me, uh, like I said, one of the major things is, like, really looking at the different buckets of my business. And then uh putting systems in place that help those uh onboarding processes and um, how I could streamline some of the things that I that I do on my own mm-hmm. that I put into like I've been able to put into place, like especially like uh getting my calendar in uh together where people can just make an appointment and it comes over to me, and then I can start them in the process, and then making. Um, and it's helped me see that I, uh, something we talked about that I hadn't put in place yet. But the more that I'm doing some some of the work, I'm realizing even the whole referral source mm-hmm. of when I'm when a person contacts me, and I realize that they're not a good fit. Are they? Uh, and they and I, but I offer them that extra hand of service of saying. I can help you find uh, an, uh, either another supervisor or I can help you find, I can give you the name of three therapists that work on what you're looking for
3: mm-hmm.
2: and which that's added value, but it also helps, you know, helps the person not feel like that I just said, oh, no, I'm not going to see you and you got to figure it out on your own. <laughs> no,
1: Sorry.
2: <laughs> right. But it's like, oh, and I've heard so many people said, thank you so much. You know, never, you know, no one has ever said that to me. But I'm like, oh, just kind of, I said, for my conversation, tell you know, I can tell you, I know three people that do this work and would probably be a very good fit for you.
1: That's wonderful. Have the people that you've referred to, have they um, made comments about that? Or do they even mm-hmm. know that you're referring to them?
2: Yes. Uh, like, even in the past. Uh, week I had a person reach out and it's like thank you so much you know they like someone you know we were talking they were like somebody gave you know said that you referred them to me and I was like okay oh, good they made that connection yes
1: that's wonderful I'm glad because yeah. I remember that con- that conversation we had so I'm mm-hmm. glad that that has panned out for you that's yeah. nice
2: and see I'm not a fr- and it helped me really not be afraid to to say no mm-hmm. to clients that are not good fit so I could be able to say yes to those that I, you know, that are great, are the best fit for my practice and my business.
1: I love that. I love that. So, what are some of the aha moments that you've had in your life in general, just overall, um, in relation to business or your personal life, um, just in general, with uh, with organization or process or any of those things? besides the fact that you now you feel comfortable saying no you know i know you went to the to the oprah event that came to nashville and i i sense that there were a couple of aha moments from that as well can you share just any it doesn't
2: no specifics oh well i like in the work that i do uh i tend to have aha moments along with my clients but for me for life of Probably one of the greatest aha moments for me has been like when I realized that the more I show up as who I am, the the better my work is. Mm. It just like flows from me. Yes. Uh, and so I practice showing up more and more as who I am. Uh, one example is like. You know, when you go, you, when you decide you're gonna be a presenter at a conference, so you, you know, you think of this image of what um, what you're supposed to look like when you go present. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, uh, since I've been out of agency work, I haven't really like had a uniform where I had to, you know, dress up and be, you know, because when you're in leadership, sometimes you have to put the suit on and stuff so mm-hmm. you can, you know, look a, mm-hmm. a, a, a certain way professionally and so my style of uh my uniform for work had changed and so you know basically for work it's like I put on a pair of jeans a t-shirt and a a cardigan or something like that so I had to go present somewhere so at first I was like oh my god what am I gonna wear because I don't want to have to put on this blazer and this Shirt, and I'm gonna be uncomfortable oh. for the whole yeah. day just because I had to dress up as I had to present. And so before I left home, it hit me. It was like dress as you dress. Mm-hmm. Pick out the shirt that you that you love, that you're that you're comfortable with. Put on you know your colored jeans, your flat shoes, and just show up as you. Yes. And I will tell you, that was the best presentation <sighs> that I did because I said, you know, I while we were talking, I got comfortable. I would sit on the table and talk to people, walk mm-hmm. around, engage. It was the best presentation. And when I walked out of there, I was like, you showed up truly as who you are.
1: As who you are. Because when, you when you're have when you trying to put on this facade, right, or these yeah. beats, super stuffy and you're not comfortable, it reads as that. You're you're not yeah. feeling comfortable. <laughs> it right. Comes across. You can tell. Mm-hmm. You can tell. And I know exactly what you mean because I've been in that same situation where it's like, oh, I don't want to have to wear heels. I don't want to. Right. You know, I just want to be comfortable. It's hot today, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. And who wants, to put on all of, who wants to put on all of that for 60 minutes? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I think it comes out, you know, because even in presentation and any speaking engagements or conferences I've been to, even the participants, you can tell, are just like, ugh, you walk into a room, and and, there, and, and uh, let me say this, there are places where it makes sense to, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, right? But in general, in majority of the conferences that I have been to, majority of them are not to the point where you have to be at that right. super stuffy level. Right? You're not presenting to executives per se, mm-hmm. and if you are, those executives yeah. are in jeans and in and, and yeah. a more relaxed state. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's more authentic to who you are, and it does yeah. make it come across that way. And it goes yeah. back to the know, like, and trust. Is this really mm-hmm. you? Is this who I see when I see you everywhere else? Yeah. Or are you trying to put on a facade? Yeah. 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 I'm glad you said that because I, I try mm-hmm. to talk about – People, even on social media, you know, don't mm-hmm. try to put on this society, like you're this major, humongous corporation if you're right. a solopreneur. Like you right. can compete at the same level as them, but you don't have to make it to a point where you aren't who you really are. Because yeah. yeah. it, It's it hard. It, it, yes. it is It is. Yes. It is exhausting. I, yeah.
2: And for me, realizing that if I, ca- I cannot preach a message of telling a uh, uh, the counselors I work with, anybody that I work with, to like be you and own it. If I was not doing the same thing, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, do as I say and not as I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That never really worked.
2: And right? they like, you know, and you know, working with your peers, or they're looking at you like, for real, girl. And like, and so my, you know, my my clients, they like, they say, I, and they would, they always say, I love your. They're like you're so authentic. They're like mm-hmm. you just kind of you show up and you're present. And I'm like I had to learn. I had to learn to be that person.
3: Yeah. And it stop trying to that.
2: fit into the box of what I thought a counselor was supposed to look like or what I thought a, a professor was supposed to look like. It was like mm-hmm. no, you bring you to the place. Yeah. And you know, and that's what bring, you know, that's what attracts, that's what helps people engage more. And people are like, that's why, you know, they're like Dr. They like Dr. That's, that's why I always reach out to you because you're so authentic. You show up as yourself, and, and I was like, and I make you show up as yourself because I've asked, I've asked some of my super. I'm like, uh, when you think of a counselor, who are you thinking about? And a lot of times, to be honest, and these can be and. Um, The majority of the clients I work with are uh, African-American, are women of color counselors, but they Mm -hmm. go back in their mind because of our profession, and they're thinking about some white man, and I'm like, you will never be, you will never be Freud, you will never be Carl Rogers, you are not those people. Mm
1: -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you
2: have to bring your flavor to the table.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I <laughs> mean, that is so funny. You're like, mm-mm, that is just not going to be you.
2: And no, that's be- not going to work.
1: Yeah. Right,
2: that's not working. And another, like one young lady, uh, she said, she want, and I don't know if you've ever seen this uh, show called In Treatment, and the, uh, mm-hmm. the therapist on there, he's an older white gentleman, and he's so stuffy. Mm-hmm. He's so stuffy. And I say, so you want to be him. You
1: want to be this stuffy. This is what
2: you want to do. <laughs> right. And then, she like, no, nah, Dr. D, that's not. I said, no, because you are, like, your personality is so far from that." Because, like, she was, like, you know, she's, like, when she comes in the room, her personality shows up.
1: hmm hmm And you just like when you think about you you made a statement about, you know, as a teacher and, and, and count, counselors that you have mm-hmm. thought about before that really had an impact on your life and I'm thinking about, you know, in high school, what teachers really stood out mm-hmm. to me? what are the teachers that I can remember now umpteen I'm not now. sure how many years? But, you know, years and years later that I still remember and had such an impact on me, and those were teachers Mm -hmm. that just came in as themselves. They weren't trying to be somebody else. They weren't trying to fit this small little mold of what a teacher should be, and they went outside the box. And it was like, that's who I related to, same with college. And there Mm -hmm. weren't a ton in college, but there were some in college that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that person Mm -hmm. and the impact they had on my life. And it may have just been a small little piece, You know, but Mm -hmm. I remember it because I'm like, mm hmm. They were just like, they would not let me slide. You know, right? Like, I know you're better than this, and I'm not going to accept anything less. You know, yeah. I was just a number to them. Right. So yeah, that's that's powerful. I think to just let people know it's okay to be authentically you, even Mm -hmm. if it's not um, meeting the mold. I had another um, interview or conversation with Gina Paris. Um, who mm-hmm. kind of spoke to the same things of like you know she's being told about marketing a certain way or presenting mm-hmm. things a certain way and it just wasn't speaking to her spirit and she's like I felt ill trying to charge mm-hmm. X number you know for my course when I'm just like that just doesn't that feels gross yeah. that just doesn't feel right to me you mm-hmm. know um, and I know our our girl Lauren um, yes with brand new flavor. I mean, yeah. she, with that course, that helped me realize mm-hmm. uh, with all of the things she posts, there were so many things that I had to get an aha moment on, just yeah. in general, about who I am and how I want to show up uh, for mm-hmm. my business. Yeah, very dynamic. Um, So, okay, so one of the questions I have for you, because I talk about mm-hmm. life transitions and things that happen that affect you or change the way you do something, Um, So have you had any life transitions, good or bad, that have happened that have caused you to change how you do things in your life or in your business?
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think of like probably probably one of the, I'll tell you, probably one of the major ones that was a major life transition for me is uh, a little while after I started my business and I went out on uh, full time and I realized that I was heavy in debt
3: mm-hmm.
2: and having to make the decision of whether I you know I kept fighting the that whole battle of whether I you know just let the debt take me out and go back into you know doing corporate work um Actually, it really like having a conversation with God, and it came to a point where I had to make a decision on whether uh, I would file bankruptcy or I would just continue to struggle. And God helped me to see that filing bankruptcy was his way of helping me to free myself from things so that I could have my business and to trust him in it. Mm. Um, because there would be times where I would be like, okay, God, what are we doing? And he was like, do you trust me? Mm. Do you trust me? And I was like, I don't have a choice. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't have a trust. I don't have a choice too much to trust you." And he would, um, like, do things, and he was like, I know that, you know, a lot of people look at bankruptcy from a bad standpoint. He said, but it's not. For you, it's about freedom. I was like, oh, okay. understand where you're coming from. He said, but you got to trust me in all of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And even sometimes, like, when I would go, you know, I would be working with my clients, and my client wouldn't pay at the end when they were supposed to. They were like, oh, Doctor D, you know, Doctor D, you know, this I'll get paid to Friday. I was like, well, I need
3: the
2: the day Monday. I need, I need the money because I got to put some, you know, I may have to put some gas in my car. I can pay my bills, but I would always say, I trust you, God, and then He would bring everything at the right time, Mm. in the right moment that I didn't miss our, I didn't miss anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, God, I I knew I, I've been saying, I trust you, you know, I'm a person, you know, I'd be like, I'm a person of faith, I'm a Christian. And he's like, yeah, but you always would trust in your own, knowing how it was going to work out. Right. How you going to, you know, are you going to really, you know, are you trusting me in this business? And I'm like, yeah, I'm trusting you. Trusting you, yeah, got to, have to. He's like, because you don't want to go back and work for somebody else. He said, you say, I've heard you say it's like, no, nah, you know, I don't know. I don't care what kind of job it is. I can't go back and work for somebody because he said, you are called to be a business owner. You are a leader.
1: hmm that's powerful because I know that there are, specifically right now, there are so many people who have been devastated with the pandemic mm-hmm. and, and everything, and they're having to make some tough choices yeah. as it relates to their business mm-hmm. and as it relates to what what all or what they're going to do going forward, and just to be able to know that, just, just lean on them and trust them in whatever yeah. your steps are. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy because we oh, know yeah. and we... <laughs> We're <laughs> like, uh uh-uh, uh, we're supposed to be doing this and it's like, I didn't tell you to do that. Like <laughs> and a lot of times when we try to do things ourselves, we struggle even more. Yeah. And instead of just sitting back and saying, Okay, God, just lead my steps, and you mm-hmm. and I have had people ask, Well, how do you know when he's speaking to you? And I'm and I'm like, I can't tell I I don't know how to describe how it. I know yeah. when it's me versus mm-hmm. him telling. It. Yes. I can't describe it
2: but yes. I know. <laughs> yeah, that is that is exactly and I've had people because like, like I've heard I've had people say well how did you know that you were supposed to go back to school uh, to get your master's in counseling and you knew I said it was like the way he, the things were orchestrated. I said, mm-hmm. one day I was at home looking through the newspaper. Now this is how, okay, this is when newspapers, I would read the newspaper and it wasn't online as much. And It was a real
1: paper.
2: Yeah, it was a real paper. And Nashville uh, State Co- uh, Community College would put their course of study in the newspaper in like this little magazine. like,
3: mm-hmm. And
2: I was just flipping through it. And I came across this class called the psychology of adjustment. Mm. And, you know, I told you I just wanted to pass my psychology class when I was in undergrad. (laughs) I was like, so surely this is not the class. And it was like, you know, I had this knowing in my spirit. Yeah, you take the class. And I took the class not knowing, you know, even that my next move was to apply for a grad school. But the teacher had us do a five-year plan, and I had written my plan out, like, being in the business where I'm going to go back and get my MBA, I'm going to have, a, you know, I'm going to have my business, blah, blah. And this young man, I, don't, I can't tell you who he is to this day, this young man was sitting next to me in class, and he said, I'm going to Trevecca and get my master's in counseling. And it was like in that moment, I knew that was for me. I don't even know if he did it.
1: Right, <laughs> you're like, mm, he spoke my purpose, my right, my
2: path. Yeah, he was talking about his plan. That was his plan, and I was like and it was when we finished when i finished that class uh that day i said oh tomorrow i guess i need to be calling Rebecca and seeing what they need and i was like if i got to go back to school and take all these classes so that i could just start on the math i'm not doing that you know i had already made it up like if i had to take that GRE most definitely i'm right. not doing that <laughs> I, call, I called the lady at the school. I was like, I need to know what you need to do to, you know, get your master's in counseling. She said, you can take the MAT or the GRE. I said, what's the MAT? She said, uh, Miller's uh, analogy test. I said, okay. I said, let me check to see what that looks like. I looked at that. I said, okay, I could take that. I said, I knew, do I need to take any other class? She said, no, because coming into the counseling field, they don't have a prerequisite. They would prefer if you had a... A bachelor's in psychology, but counseling is—you know—counseling is you know, not really set up that way. And uh, she said, "No," she said, "You just need to send your uh, stuff over." And I was like, oh "Okay," I was like, oh, "Okay, guy," I for real, I you you you, you ordering this one because I was not thinking about that and this the was whole. Not what
1: I had written for myself. No,
2: not at all. Was not thinking about it, and even finishing up my master's program. In February of the year that I was to, uh, that I was graduating from my master's program, I was, uh, as I said, I was in the business field. The company that I was working for, they came in and told us that they were moving everybody to not everybody, they were moving our position in our department to Florida. And I said, well, that's not where I'm planning on living. <laughs> I, uh, I said, oh, okay. I said, guys, you. I, and, uh, one of my friends, they like, you got to be closing down businesses and stuff because, for you to leave. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking. And I they closed. Um, I graduated that May. By uh, January of the next year, because I, I told my boss at the time, I said, hey, I'm not moving to Florida. I said, but I can stay until the end because I'm starting a new career.
1: Mm. Then that, that... – that shows the path, that he just made it clear. Like, I told you to go do this. You went and did mm-hmm. this. And now since you're still sticking around, let me yeah. just go ahead and make this abundantly clear what you're supposed to be doing. Supposed to do, yeah.
2: And he still sometimes has to remind me when I be like, God, for real, you just
1: counseling things.
2: Or even, the, this is what you're calling me to serve. And he's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. My my struggle when I was in that mastermind was like, who am I really called to serve? And he made that clear when uh, when Corona showed up. Yes. Made it made it so clear to me. He, I was like, oh, okay, God, I'm I'm not even gonna question. This is was I, a I'm called to incredible. serve other counselors. That's
1: beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful story because I know so many people are struggling with. Just that layer of their business of just mm-hmm. knowing what it is they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it. Yeah. So yeah. To hear and your story. made
2: it very, yeah, made it very clear because, like I said, when I was in that room and he was like, "Look at who," I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." The M- and that was, yeah. and that was right back before you know we, you know we, COVID was around. We didn't know, and then like the next week is when things start shutting down, and he was like. You and serve them? And I was like, yeah, and they, and they show up.
1: Mm. So what is the difference between counseling and coaching? Because this is always, we've oh. talked about this before, but just from a counselor's mouth. <laughs> because I see so many people posting these, you know, starting these businesses and, and putting these things out there, and I'm like, there is a difference, and I want people to know what it is.
2: Oh, and it's funny because I may not be the best person to ask answer that question because I I flow between both stands, mm-hmm. but with um, with counseling, uh, and I I love the way that the American Associ- uh the American Counseling Association, kind of de- de- uh, describes it because they describe it as a professional relationship with uh, someone who can help you uh, in education, relationships, um, those, those symptomatic things that impact your life. So, but a lot of people look at counseling sometimes as, like, we dig into the past as to mm-hmm. what made you here. So, usually when my counseling clients come to me, they're having some... A dilemma about, like, it's like depression, anxiety. These symptoms have taken over their everyday living.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, but counseling also is preventative, wellness, education, empowerment. It's all of that. It, it still looks like that from a mental health perspective. So, really, if you're looking at, if you want to put it in a simple way when it comes to counseling, counseling is usually mis- uh, Helping people with their uh, mental illness, which is different than mental health, but we use those words synony- synonymously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mental health being almost like an absence of disease, because that's what health is. Mm-hmm. And so your mental health, you can go to a counselor to help that before it becomes a mental illness.
1: Illness, gotcha. Oh uh, yeah,
2: and coaching is when you want to help someone move forward. You're helping them. Um, they don't have the mental illness piece and the mental illness symptoms are not getting in the way of everyday life they have a goal and they want to move forward in that goal and a lot of times that goal is around life things uh their business because there's so many different coaches
1: yes yes
2: where with counseling there are different specialties like anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. trauma-related things, um, uh, severely, persistently, mental, mental health, AD&D. Those are like what you're special... You know, you have counselors that specialize in those areas. And then where you have coaches, coaches fall sometimes in a more general area, like those mm-hmm. life business executives, but people give a name to what they do.
1: Right, right. Thank you for doing that because... Is you know, there is a difference. I am mm-hmm. not a counselor.
2: <laughs> no. and you have to, and a counselor has to is regulated.
1: Mm-hmm. If we,
2: mm-hmm. we are governed by a regulated board, you yes. have to go to school and get a master's degree, and then be licensed to be considered a licensed. Like for me, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I went to school. I went through uh I had to get a certain number of hours of work after school plus take three tests
1: Mhm. You are like supervision.
2: three like...
1: Yeah, yeah, it's
2: three. Three tests. <laughs> those tests don't play with you either. But take those
3: tests
2: um and then I then I could get my license. Mhm. And so then to keep my license I have to do certain things. To keep to that going, yeah, to maintain mm-hmm. it. And I'm governed by a state board
1: Yes,
2: where I just can't be out here doing just being willy-nilly. <laughs>
1: and I want people to know that because yeah. you don't want to go, basically, if you're going to somebody for counseling, you need to make sure that they have all the right um licensing and all of that in place yeah the
2: credentials and that
1: is how you're helping to choose who you're going to go to based on all of these requirements mm-hmm. and things that they have in place a coach is not And it's regular. okay to ask Yes. And it right. is okay to ask. And, you know, I, I get that question all the time. It's like, well, how do I choose a coach and how do I choose a counselor? And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. there are certain levels, you know, mm-hmm. that you're going to go through um, when it pertains to that. And I want to make sure that people understand what they should be looking for when they are choosing a counselor, because especially right now, so many people are needing help. Yes. Um yes. it's like, don't go to a coach if you're having these types of issues. You need to go right. to a Counselor. You need
2: to go to a counselor. Can't
1: help somebody who is struggling with um who the hoarding situation because yes, that is because going
2: that's a that's yeah that's jester. a that's a that have and that's in the DSM five and yeah. so that probably is like one of the best deline, <laughs> delineations is mm-hmm. if your symptoms are listed in the DSM five,
1: mm-hmm. you need
2: a counselor.
1: You need a counselor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause I went through sociology, so you know that's what my degree is in. So I, I'm yeah. like, Mm-mm, this is this line, and I'm on this side. <laughs>
2: right, and 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 I know where the line is, and I'm gonna stay on my side.
1: Exactly, exactly. Thank you for for digging into that because I know yeah. that we just need to talk about it. We need to put mm-hmm. it out there, and there's nothing wrong. No. With people getting counseling, I think. It's no, not at all. And, and as two, we are two African American women. And I think in our community, it is something that sometimes is looked down upon. I don't know other races. I don't know other communities how it's looked at, but I think that it is healthy. If you need a counselor, if you feel like you need counseling, go to a counselor. Go to a counselor. Yes. go. It's just like going to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. Yes. Yes. I
2: always say that it should be one of our preventative services. Like like they give us Mm -hmm. two visits visits to the dentist a year to get your teeth clean. Mm-hmm. They need to give us probably four visits at least a year
3: oh,
2: to no, go yeah. uh, to go to a counselor and go, you know, go to go go to therapy because there is uh there life. Life yeah. impacts you and having a non judgment voice to sit down and hold space with you, a safe space, mm-hmm. it just like your best friend can't do that for you.
1: Right. Right. And you, Cause,
2: yeah, because yeah. I hear a lot of people I can just talk about it with my best friend. A lot of times your best friend don't want to hear because it it's like, that's too heavy for me.
1: Right. <laughs> and it is exhaust. I mean, like, yeah, it's it exhausting, exhausting to t- take in and hear somebody else's problems, issues, mm-hmm. struggles, and you're navigating your own. And you aren't trained to do that and so Mm -hmm. it's important for you to go to the right people who are trained to handle it. Yeah. I know we got deep for a second, but you know, I just really wanted to go there. That's that's part of my that's my area also. And I mean, it's like we're holistic, and I want people yeah. to realize it's not just about yeah. your business. And you know, right now, specifically during this pandemic time, you know, your business may have been mm-hmm. going great, and then pandemic hits, yeah. and you are not only dealing with trying to navigate your children and mm-hmm. your work because yeah. you know most of my clients are working a full time job. Yes, yeah. you're dealing with all of these life situations. But on top of that, now you're dealing with your business too. Mm-hmm. And you are, you're, you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your bowl is empty. Your bucket is empty. You mm-hmm. are bleeding dry. You know, you're dry and you need help in, in figuring out what you're supposed to do and how to navigate everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to ask for help. And yes. a coach can't help you with all of that. A coach can only no. help you with certain Things to help uh, uh navigate or eliminate some of the issues and, or to mitigate them, but the counseling piece i can't <laughs> yeah. and because what what something something you learn as
2: an entrepreneur and you said it's like getting out of your own way, but you find out about things about yourself
3: mhm
2: <laughs> that you like i didn't know I was like that
3: like I didn't know. <laughs>
2: right. And then you're like, I might, you know, I need to go talk to somebody about, because this journey, because in some aspects, this journey of entrepreneurship can be lonely and isolating. And you get caught caught up in that uh, grind every day of like, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. So, you know, you're out there by, you feel like you're out there by yourself. So that whole sense of belonging and all of those things and creating that anxiety that comes along with it, yeah. and then also sometimes that depressive, those depressive mm-hmm. moods that come when things are not going like you expected yeah. them to go. So being able to have a therapist to work through some of those things that, that could be getting in your way for even having a sustainable business.
1: hmm. hmm. Yeah, that's huge. That is really yeah. huge. So with the introduction of the pandemic, because nobody expected it, nobody planned no, for
2: that. No, well, not I at say all.
1: Nobody planned, and I'm putting that in quotes because there are certain <laughs> yeah. things in your business, right, Miss Organizer here, that you can do ahead of time to mm-hmm. pre-plan for certain things. But there's no hundred percent plan for a pandemic because we never right. expect something like this to happen. Right. So what are some things that you have? learned or done in your life or your business as a result of the pandemic um, that you feel has reshaped some of the things that you do?
2: Well, number one is taking my business um, fully 100% online Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and learning how to navigate that. Uh, How does that, you know, how does that, how's that going to look? Because, as you said, we didn't have time to plan it uh because what the, the last day I was in my office was on March the 13th. Mm-hmm. But I had to I had to handle business on that Monday the 16th. So I had to mm-hmm. hurry and get things in place. And how that is uh the other piece is self-care. Because uh working from home is uh like sometimes I, in a way I was like working virtually sometimes can seem like it's a little bit simpler because you're not in traffic. So you're like, Oh, easily I could add two more people to my, to my caseload, see two more clients. And it's, you know, it's nothing, but it's more than, it's more than it's something because that means if you went from seeing 18 to 20 clients and then with the pandemic, you, amped up to start seeing 25 you're, you are stretching yourself thin
3: mm-hmm. so
2: being able to practice self care and being able to say no that is something that I most definitely have learned to say no and not feel bad about saying
1: no bad about yes.
2: when it comes to saying I can't see any more clients I'm not taking any more clients because some of these uh, people rolls over into that whole scarcity model. It's like, if I say no to these clients, I'm not going to have, you know, what if my other clients don't, but being able to say no, it's like, okay, I can't see any more people. I don't have any more open space on my calendar and setting specific hours and times that I see clients and then shutting it off and going back into life.
3: Mm -hmm. Like my
2: personal life. Uh, Like I took a day off last week. I had to be intentional about scheduling that because it was like it's easy to work five days a week. But I was like, no, if I was in my office, I was planning on being off. Right. I'm going to take this time off. And my home office is downstairs. I refused to go downstairs that day in my house. I just walked through my office. I didn't sit at my desk.
1: None of that. That's perfect, yeah. Yeah, because, I yeah. mean, you're right. It's it's so easy, especially working from home, to just, oh, let me just go do this right quick, right? Mm-hmm. Let me go in yeah. there, and, and then two hours later. <laughs> right. You're like, you're like what? that was not what supposed to be, it was supposed to be that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you think that you're going to continue this once everything opens back up and people start going back to, quote, unquote, what used to be? Or do you think that you'll maintain the virtual um, side of your business?
2: I imagine mine is actually going to be a hybrid. I have some individuals that's like, when are you going back to the office? You know, I want, you know, I would like to come to the office. I'm like, oh, okay, we can do that. But then there are others like, Dr. D., I'm liking this, you know, we doing this by Zoom, we doing this by, you know, the other systems, I'm kind of liking it, can we keep it that way, and I'm like, okay, so I'm leaving it up to uh, my clients to make the decision on how they want to continue to see me, uh, and how we, you know, how it's going to work, because I'm liking the blend myself, Mm -hmm. because, in all actuality, uh, for my business, I am looking to transition to uh, 100% online in the next year or two. Anyway, so this kind of just kind of it's funny because I had said actually about the end of 2020, I had said that last year, and I was like, okay, God, what you what what you saying here?
1: He said, okay, no
3: problem. Thank
2: yeah. you, Patricia. We all have to right. go along for the ride. <laughs> right. What, like I said, one, so one of my friends, she said, she said, sometimes you be asking for stuff, and, you know, it impacts everybody sometimes. Right, I'm like, right. I just be talking to God about me. I'm just, I'm like, I'm talking <laughs> to God about me. Like, God, what are we doing? This is what I would like to do. And then he's like, and then it show up in a bigger manifestation for other people. <laughs> now, then you yeah. was praying the same thing.
1: <laughs> so funny. All right. So the last question I have for you is: What would you tell your younger self today, if you had to tell them something?
2: That it would. It's going to be okay. It's and to and to bet on you.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: to bet yeah. on you to show up and bet on you.
1: I love that. I love that. Because you're a winner, right? So yep. just go on and bet on yourself.
2: Bet on you. I love yep.
1: that. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Can you tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you if they want to or need to? Yeah, And well, who you serve? Uh, you we didn't talk. even talk about that. You want to say who you serve? Okay. Who I serve?
2: I serve um, mostly, predominantly women of color, and that's not just African-American women, but uh Hispanic and Latinx women, and and also um, women that identify as Asian American or um, Indian American, those I they usually come into my space when I'm, you know. Uh, they they look they find me they like Dr. Dangerfield you understand I struggle I mean, I, understand, I understand the struggle of being a woman of color but most definitely if you are a mental health professional of color I work with uh, them and it's really around career development and personal growth uh, helping them to find their space of when I say when identity and purpose collide impact happens. Mm-hmm. And I so I that. want individuals to show up as who they are, do, do operate in what their purpose is, share, really share what their expertise is, and show up and serve others.
1: I love it. I love that. And so if, if somebody can, fits into that bold, how do they? How they, they can how find do they? me.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to get a flavor of who I am, you can follow me on Instagram. At I am Dr. Dangerfield. Uh, for my uh, website, it's www.drdangerfield.com. And on Facebook, I'm Dr. Lucretia Dangerfield.
1: Love it. Guys, reach out to her, check out the show notes if you'd like to learn more.
0: Didn't I tell you that was going to be a dynamic conversation? I'm so excited that you got the chance to experience it and to share in it with me. Now, if you would like to get a little bit more information about the um, mapping class that Lucretia talked about that she participated in. Now, let me say this. She participated in the master class. So the master class is basically a compilation of five different courses um, that I Um, teach. And so it goes through every single piece, especially if you are trying to get your business holistically um, resolved. So you've got several different areas where you need to address processes. This goes through most of those, okay? And and it's really meant to go through a five-week progression, but it's an on-demand course at this point, so you can take it at your leisure. Now, if you are just interested in the mapping piece, I have uh, I pulled that piece out and it is offered at its, as a standalone course. So I definitely recommend that you check that out. I will have the link to it in the show notes. So definitely go over there and um, peep it out and see if it is a good fit for you. Um, But I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to hear Lucretia's truth and to hear her lessons, not only to herself, but to us as well. I will talk to you soon. Now, you know what I always say, I want you to definitely stay organized and I want you to do something today that will help to fill your happiness bucket. I hope you guys have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.